0: Listener
1: Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, we have some heavyweights on the mics today. Deloitte Digital's UK-based global CEO, Sam Roddick, and the Sydney-based worldwide lead for Deloitte Digital's marketing and commerce practice are in town, talking to the market about the corporate mantra de jour digital transformation. And it seems a bunch of these programs globally might still need some executional transformation themselves. Sam has some findings hot off the press from analysis of global Fortune 500 companies and their market capitalisations after big digital structural overhauls. It's not all pretty. But there's more deloitte digital's latest report on global marketing trends and benchmarks shows australia is way behind on several critical fronts compared to their global marketing peers we'll dig into that and we'll get to the bottom of why sam backed installing a former clemenger bbdo australia ceo that's nick into his global role last october what was he thinking you could ask putting a creative agency boss into a serious global advisory role for enterprise marketing and commerce Moreover, what does the boss of the $16 billion firm make of Nick's comments around his global appointment that, and I quote, tech alone is not enough to drive differentiation, and that for Deloitte Digital, creativity integrated across the company will set it apart from rivals? It's just a little bit unusual to hear a typically analytical leaning consulting firm talking about creative. Is it just that? Talk. We're about to find out on that front and a lot more. Welcome, Sam and Nick. You're in town, Sam, big, long, long way away from home base. So we'll get to your Fortune 500 analysis shortly, but first, to the setup, why did you back a creative advertising agency boss taking on a global advisory role in marketing and commerce? It's not what most of us would expect from a consulting firm. Welcome, Sam, and please explain, as they say. Well, thank you very much for having me first.
0: So, I mean, apart from the fact that Nick is just a fantastic individual, and clearly I was going to back him, it really comes down to where we're going, and what Nick has done. So if I look at Nick's uh, successes at BBDO before he joined us, what I saw is someone who was able to grow the impact, the recognition, and the revenue of that firm by taking creativity beyond communications. And our view, now coming to Deloitte and Deloitte Digital, our raison d'etre is to create value for our clients. We create value by transforming them and making them better. A lot of that is about transforming how they operate and transforming the tools that they use. But unless you can create a connection to their customers that goes beyond just a smart digital interface, a reason for those customers to love our client organization, you don't create the value that is possible. So you miss out. And we see creativity as a multiplier, as a multiplier to the value that you create through other techniques. And it, it's not Easy to do that. But if we look out at the bigger world and the organizations that have done it successfully, you know, to pick a really easy one, Apple is an organization. They're a great tech organization. But, you know, how have they created the value of the most valuable company in the world? It is through the application of design. It's through the application of creativity alongside engineering. And that is a thing that we want to mimic. That is a thing we want to repeat. And it's a thing that our clients believe When they see the case studies, when they see the examples that someone like Nick is able to bring. So I saw one of the most successful creatives in the world, from my point of view, who wanted to join our business, who wanted to do do what he had done with BBDO, applying creativity to more than just comms to create more value, wanting to come and do that in a a bigger organization where the canvas would be so much greater, where the impact that he was able to have uh, with the multiplier effect he achieved before way the um the number that you're applying that multiplier effect to is you know exponentially larger Mm. and that will create value for for certainly for deloitte um but i think it will create a lot of value for our clients as well
1: so when did you land sam on this notion that you believe that somehow creative thinking and creativity can be a multiplier how long is that because you know firms like yours are very much into infrastructure, into efficiencies, effectiveness, profitability, you know, finding, that's the perception at least, right? So you can start seeing this as changing, but when did you land on personally that, okay, I'm buying this creative argument?
0: So if we rewind, so we set up a Deloitte Digital
1: about 11 years ago now. I mean, yeah. in, um, in May
0: it will be 11 years. And the ethos, the thinking then was, if you sort of cast your mind back, the iPhone had been released about three or four years prior to that. But in that time, what had emerged was the app ecosystem. Because if you remember, the App right. Store wasn't launched with the iPhone. The App Store came a couple of years later, and that, that's what really exploded that. And what you saw is you saw you saw a new way in which people were interacting with organizations where design and creativity were an essential ingredient. Right. And we realized then, you know, more than a decade ago, that we were, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't see ourselves as an infrastructure organization, but I will use your words. We were an infrastructure organization. We did technology implementation. We provided our clients with advice around how to restructure their businesses and how to drive growth. But that was cold, hard, and analytical. It was technology, mm. technological, and it lacked the emotional connection that had burst onto the scene with the iPhone and the app, app ecosystem mm. that came behind it. And. You know, we said we've got to have a part of that. We said we want to launch a business that gets after that. Now, it turns out that it's pretty hard institutionally to blend creativity with technology, advisory, with strategy. But we've been on that journey for a long time. And what I saw with Nick, to come back to your question, is someone that could help us with the next stage of that and really making that
1: transformation. I'll go to the next question, but I'll just ask Nick very quickly. So Nick, the vice versa on this, because coming from a creative background in an agency, looking at Deloitte, possibly outdated perceptions, but I would have thought that you would have thought, there's a dry biscuit to uh, to
2: chomp. <laughs> Interesting words. Thank um, you. I think anyone who worked in Australia, because I think the move between Accenture and the Monkeys, Matt, Adrian and Dave joining Deloitte, Some years ago, we were aware that the consultancies were playing in the space and were moving forward. And I think we might have been a couple of years ahead of that awareness and aperture piece. So knowing several of the Deloitte team, I think I was subconsciously absorbing what they were doing, where they were going and their their aspirations to space. So it felt quite natural and very simple when that opportunity truly arose. It was clear in the way when you talked, when you talk to one person or two people, you're getting a subset, so it doesn't give you a cross a real cross pollination of um, how people think. But I must have talked to twelve or fourteen people during the process to join, and the continuity of messaging, the alignment around vision and goals, and passion uh, was clear. And step back to the creative industries, we've and I know I'm repeating things I might have said to you before, Paul. But we live in a state of saying "I think" and the feeling, the safety, the confidence to say "I know." and I'm presenting an idea that can solve something beyond communication and have an enterprise-wide impact, if we can package it with robust analytics and projections of what its impact can be, you're feeling like those two things should be coming together. Mm. And having the resources around you that could not only have the insight to accentuate an idea to be bigger, the ability to commercialize an idea uh, and with really robust hypotheses, and then be able to working with extraordinary subject matter experts or people that understand corporate culture, understand technology implementation, understand every facet of a business, you don't start and stop at a campaign day or in a marketing schedule or program. Your lifespan of an idea and its ability to organically grow becomes far broader. And I think that's the dream of most of us. And I'm not alone. There's many out there, agency folk that always looked on that world over the last decade with... Um, curious eyes.
1: And that's the, I guess that's the difference here is combining those analytical skills, the intellectual smarts with the creative to get the X factor. And, uh, and Sam on this, I mean, when Nick uh, got the gig last year, we did a story with him and, and he talked about how tech was not enough of a differentiator and creativity was going to do it. Now, to someone like me, I get it, but to big enterprise, big corporates, how does that land uh, when you try and uh, get that message in like you are? So, so I'm going to use a case study
0: where, where I can't, I'm afraid, name the client because it's a live piece of work. But I, I, when this launches, I'd be happy to come back and talk about, right. talk about what we're doing. But it, for one of the world's largest CPG organizations looking to grow one of their categories, a category where they are already the global category leader, very right. significant business, looking to grow that category by around about 25%. It's a mature category? It's a mature category. Right. It's a... Trying to think of it well, I think I can see it. it's an eight billion dollar category for them. Right, right. So it's a mature, scaled category. They want to grow that by twenty five percent, and they want to move from their language category leaders, leadership to category captaincy. They mm. want to be seen as really shaping the category rather than just the biggest player in the category. So, going for all boats will rise. Is that the is it the argument? There is a bit of all boats will rise, but yes, of course, it's driven by a need to drive growth mm. for themselves as well. There, the brief comes in from the CEO. Mm. The CEO wants to. Drive that growth. The CEO wants to transform a large part of the business to have a direct to consumer element to it, and the CEO is looking for thoughts and advice on how we might be able to do that. And I say brief; it comes in really for a conversation with the CEO. Right. Uh, so these conversations are led largely by our strategy and our M and A teams. So they're not led; they don't start with someone creative. But that particular brief came into one of our strategy partners who we've, we've spent a lot of time working with and joining up on the creative side of what we do. So we took that, that question away and we developed some thoughts about how to respond to it. And the thoughts the had market sizing in, the thoughts had all the sorts of things you would expect from a, a corporate strategy. You know, that there was the numbers driven aspect. But they also looked quite carefully, our team looked quite carefully, and where so we used the creatives, that they looked at the culture in the category, and they looked how to enhance the culture. They looked how to create brand and meaning for customers. And when we took the answer back to the CEO, we blended all of that together. And for me, what was interesting was actually that the, the individual has a data and analytical background, more of a numbers person than a an emotions person. This is your strategy person or no, the no this this is this the plan. this is the CEO. This is yeah. the right. CEO. The thing that resonated most strongly with them was the culture and the creative side of the concept. And so that, that's what immediately captured their mm. attention. And and I say, you know, they they woke up to the promise of something. But then their immediate next question really was, well, so how viable is this? Right. And then so our ability to show the viability of it was underpinned by the strategic thinking, by yeah. the, the assessment and the analysis. And see, so you're putting the two things together. You're putting the, the creation of a business model that, that can serve a need, that can produce a product, that can distribute a product to an audience, including the last mile distribution. So you know, you, you've got all the financial side of things, but what's going to make people come to that product? What's going to make people want to buy it? You're also packaging that side of things and you're putting it in there as well. So you're offering the complete picture. And we are... Right now, in the process of, in one of their markets, a, a big, fast-growing market, launching that new direct-to-consumer business with them. Mm. And it is all aspects of it. It is the, the, the supply chain, the logistics, the last-mile distribution. It is the, the new way of getting that product out and sharing it with people. But it's also the branding and the thinking and, and you know what we're doing to create culture around it. So it's a complete package. And that, for me... I see our clients' eyes light up at the possibility. And I will sort of go back again to, you know, 10, 10, 11 years ago. In my entire life as a consultant, and and I am an experienced and successful even consultant, I've sold a lot of work in my time. In a pitch, for a good reason, I have never made a client cry. I have never connected with a client on an emotional level where Mm. they want what is being put forward to them so much that it elicits that emotion mm. and in our work with creatives that are able to achieve that but the thing that the creatives can't get is they can't make their ideas real not really they don't have the agency no pun intended yes, actually to marvelous. do that yeah. they don't have the agency to do that it wasn't deliberate actually and wasn't planned either um they don't have the agency to do that because they don't have the capability to do that and clients know they don't mm. So you get in front of the CEO and that question about, is this viable? It, well, it's think, not know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. And we don't do that. We say the analysis points towards the fact that it does, and here is the analysis.
1: Hmm. Well, on the flip side, though, Sam, you could argue the same for a consulting firm that the the safety about um, the robustness of your analysis and what what it looks like is there and accepted, but perhaps the executional capability in creativity uh, is something that is as short as the agency side or the creative people doing robust stuff. So that's where it gets interesting because it's literally, okay, I take that as a case study and it's a good one. What were you talking about there, bringing those two elements together, the, the analytics and smarts and the creativity, how do you get that across your organisation? So there's a case study, but how do you embed that? How do you get your your strategy people and your analysts going actually Nick might be marginally okay he's got something to contribute um is there a culture there that how are you building that culture out how do you get that in there i mean
0: you've hit the nail on the head about the thing that is most difficult the thing that is most difficult is changing the perception of our colleagues across the border organization in the world's biggest professional services firm Mm. that has taken an analytical approach to how they serve clients for 150 years plus so that is challenging what we do is we focus on those people in our organization that are having the growth conversations. Right. And they're a much smaller subset. So we actually have a, a, a global exercise on at the moment with our biggest clients through what we call clients and in industries, but, but into our biggest clients about doing exactly this, identifying the clients where the environment is right to take this conversation and then taking that conversation by combining the right creative capability with the right strategy capability.
1: Right. And a few more proof points and case studies over the coming, what, X time will help, you know, accelerate that acceptance, I assume. It will do, absolutely. Mm. And Nick,
2: I might jump in as well. Yeah, I was going to say, Nick, how have you
1: found it on the, on the other side coming in and having those conversations?
2: I think the fact that I worked for myself for 18 months in between agency world and this world helped because I had to become more resourceful. I had to become a bit tighter in the way I looked at business. But I think those agency folk who, or no, creative folk, who are business savvy, and there's a lot, who are curious and lean into technology, who are interested more broadly. They, you can put them in a room and they can talk about culture. You can put them in a room and they can talk business. Put them in a room and they can talk about ideas versus creativity. So if creativity is the input of you know, science, engineering, design, and art, they're you know, arbitrary words, then it's something we can all share. I think the the art of it is creating common language showing that you respect, understand, and can have a dialogue with you know, really senior leaders in the, all those areas and show how the idea, and I don't want to say creativity, the idea can actually be the solution or part of a solution to something really big that they're solving. All of this is theory until you do it. Hmm. And Sam and I were swapping notes last night about um, a few examples in Australia. But until you work in a team that's cross-functional, cross-skilled, deep subject matter experts coming together, then not you're never going to have those bridges of trust, confidence, until you've tried something. You've seen each other, you've looked each other in the eyes, you've worked on something, and you've built that confidence and success. And I think you've got to go through that process. But at the other end of it, I've been through five, six major projects in the last 18 months, where I think by the end of it, you wouldn't have necessarily known who were the for business operations or tech team versus the human capital team versus the, you know, let's call it the brand and creative team versus some of the more um, tech orientated digital team, it is bringing it together. And mm. I, I think collaboration only happens when you're curious. So if people are curious and you can see that that thing is can actually help you and bring it together or be a glue or a catalyst for a project you're working on, my experience has been 99.9% positive. Sam, where are you
1: on this this timeline, this journey of fusing creative thinking with the rest of your business? Where would you say, how would you self-score on where you want to be? So I guess the
0: the largest part of our business, where where we drive most of our revenue, is through tech implementation. And the piece where we are most mature in blending creative and design capabilities with technology is in the... In user experiences, in creating experiences, in technology solutions that are efficient, that allow people to achieve what they want, but also that delight. You know, so it's that sort of balance between form and function and, and utility and delight. There we are, when we are assessed independently, we're the world leader. So we're in a good place there. But that's not what many people think of as creative. And, you know, they, it's one of those words that's quite seems to be um, have many, many interpretations yes, yes. to it, isn't it? So I guess an easy way to think about how we have evolved our strategy as we have scaled is we started in the heart of making sure we could build those solutions for our clients really, really well. And as we built those solutions, we started working our way out. So not only can you build it, but you can help your client operate it. You can help your client optimize it you can help your client in you know your increased markets basket size increase conversion rate increase cross-sell whatever it might be you can help those things if you're a digital business if you're having to trade the platform that you have built you understand how to trade it and many of our clients who were venturing into digital um, in the early days or, or even some organizations that are now moving to direct consumer in reality this is their first foray into digital proper right. they need help on how to trade a platform hmm. The digital natives know how to trade a platform. So, so you start to, to help them trade. And then you also move upstream. And upstream, you've got two different ways of thinking about upstream. Upstream, you can think about upstream as customer acquisition. But equally, you can think about upstream as strategy, depending on whether you're thinking about upstream for the customer or upstream for the business process. And they are areas that we have come to more recently. So they're not as mature. But the the customer acquisition side you've got the the MarTech platforms, you've got mm. the data and the analytics and the targeting type piece. And, you know, we naturally extend into that because it's a natural extension of the technology. But now the creativity starts to become more important. Now you're starting to talk about MarTech plus performance marketing. Mm. You know, you, so so now we're needing to blend a bit more. And you're still quite close to the transaction. It's still quite natural for us. And I would say we're pretty mature. You get further out again and you get into brand marketing. You get into and get into above the line stuff, we're less mature because it, it's further from the core. But we, we build, we build because what we want to do is we want to support our clients from across the end to end because that's the most valuable. Now go up on the, the strategy leg rather than the customer leg. And again, we are pushing more and more into how do we use brand alongside strategy to drive growth for our customers? How do we bring creativity and ideas into the heart of new propositions? and new market ideas for clients to launch to drive differentiated growth. And the other thing we're doing in that space, which has got nothing to do with creativity, is we're also applying an increasing amount of AI and simulation in mm. that space. So we are modernizing the way that we provide advisory and strategy services to our clients, on the one hand, by being more inclusive about the skills that we bring to it, you know, not just the analytical minds, but also thinking about you know, the emotional connection with customers, what will make customers fall in love with an organization and be loyal to it. How do you put purpose in the heart of what you're doing hmm. and, and appeal to, to Gen Z and beyond, where that's becoming increasingly important? But we're also modernizing by applying new tools and techniques. We're disrupting our own organization, the own way we do things, by using new techniques. And you know you can't really miss how much of a splash generative AI has made in the last yeah. six to nine months, for at least that period, we've been exploring how to use that type of AI in our solutions, but also other types as well. And so we're, we're in a period of quite a lot of change, yeah, yeah. and how mature are we amongst the most, and not at all. Yeah. would would I would be I think where that's a good I would way to put it.
1: Well, and, and I guess you know, and this is coming from the outside looking in as a perception. Everything you're talking about theoretically and conceptually would help address some of the stuff we hear about the, the big consulting firms. Deloitte Digital, obviously, an exception on every front. But some of the some of the criticism that you hear is that consultants come in with a strategy and then cut and run, so the implementations left to someone else, and that's people have sort of left going, okay, what do we do with a big document? This, I assume, is part of building out executional capabilities and maybe even addressing the, the perception sometimes of some of the consulting shortfalls. It, it is, and it's been a long
0: time since we've delivered a strategy that's got a big document, you know, a big presentation that is, you know, there's the strategy. Right. Our strategies are things that we show our clients. They have substance and feel. We bring things to life. And so we bring things to life with tools like simulation, so that you can show what that future business will look like. You can simulate all elements of the business. We also bring it to life emotionally by, you know, how will it feel to interact with this business? What will it look like from a consumer point of
1: Which view? Which is all great, but still, Sam, the challenges in deploying, and sometimes the... the, the and so that's where I'm just interested in that um, filling that gap or moving beyond, because even even simulation, when you actually get people, they can be quite painful sometimes, you get people to try and do what needs to be done to deliver that's that's sometimes a, a different game altogether it is i mean
0: most of our business is is implementation is doing things in right. in terms of volume in terms of value you might add you might sort of say that we're a bit more balanced between advise and implement by think and do but in terms of of volume it's more more on the do so we know we know how to do the thinking that we have is that I mean, you may have heard of digital twins and the idea that you have something physical and you build a, a digital twin of it and you use that digital twin to optimize. What we are increasingly finding is we're building the digital version before the physical version. And we're using the digi- building the digital version to understand and hypothesize and explore and really get under the skin in a, in a heavy data way driven by the real world data, how that physical thing is going to work. And then once you've got it right, then you build the physical. So actually, digital twins of things that have not yet been built are a bridge between think and do. They're a bridge between advice and implement, between strategy and reality, because it's a manifestation of the future reality based on the strategy. And it's then just, it's never just, but it's then just a translation job of that digital twin into its physical
1: got it, manifestation. Right. Well, before, I want to get to some analysis that both of you have got some global observations on, on transformation and in what's going on in marketing. The quick question to both of you before that, though, is to keep this up, to attract and keep creative-minded people. Sometimes culture has to be very, very different because they're kind of different people. Is there any change required inside the firm
2: to actually attract and keep those sort of people? Because they are a little bit different. Maybe we break that down between... Attract, retain, and I think the one missing is the word grow. And that's our biggest job, is the grow. Attracting people by different markets, it will vary depending on the maturity of that market and their understanding of consulting and where creativity plays a role. At the moment, getting curious, talented people from various different backgrounds, I think um, some of the design and experience creative leaders have been leaning into this space for a lot longer than maybe Mm. the agents, classic agency roles. They want to understand what's on the other side of the hill. They want to be able to take their creativity further. They're excited about the possibilities. And we all know, this is true three years ago, it's truer and hotter now, that there's a we're at the sort of crosshairs of pretty fundamental change. So you're either yearning to be part of something bigger and to learn new skills and to protect your creativity and be able to spread it. Or you're probably looking to do your own thing, set up your own company, and it'd be quite small, but you could be able to, really scale it and do something i think they're the decisions and neither of them are wrong they're both right calls for the most advanced interesting creative people we face and i'm getting that conversation three or four times a day yeah right the retention is a really fascinating balance between creating a an environment and ecosystem where enough of them from different creative fields so let's just say creative people as a uppercase c and i want to break it down can jam with each other, work from each other, bounce things off each other, and feel there's critical mass. If you flip it, go back to 2015. Joining Clemenger Melbourne, brilliant agency, fantastic people, and there was a healthy evolution for three years, but it's almost the reverse. What we believed, and I know to be great technology people with a creative orientation into that business, or deep specialism, but they would have felt lonely. They would have felt isolated. They didn't have a team of 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 other people around them, and it was really hard to retain that talent. And mm. they came into the creative industries with huge amounts of enthusiasm and genuine sort of passion. And um, kind of got lost. I think we did. And I, take, I know from my very personal perspective, if I went back five, six, seven, eight years, I'd do things differently and spin it. What we will learn from here, and, and scale definitely helps, is ensuring there's guilds, teams, groups, and they connect. Mm. I think the other side of that equation is making sure that We train them in the right way, we give them the tools, we give them the language, we give them the permission, and we help them, and particularly in the roles that Sam I and many others are in, open the doors for them to be able to find out what's on the other side and to be able to experience that broader Deloitte and consulting experience. Hmm. For the vast, vast majority, it's deeply positive. What would be wrong is to create silos. What would be wrong is to create the same environment that they've left, replicate it in ours, and put a force field around it. So anywhere where you can get to cross-pollinate, anywhere where you can maybe even trial people out on projects that you wouldn't imagine that skill base would be in, but it's a learning curve, I think is extraordinary. The last piece is grow. Great talent. Everyone's fighting for it. You know, everyone's probably sick of listening to it. So rather than simply acquiring and hiring extraordinary talent, we're bringing hundreds of grads through a year. Um, I don't even know what the number would be globally, but it's, you know, immense. And we bring our new creative people and let's train them to be diverse in their creativity. Let's train them to be comfortable having a left brain and a right brain conversation. Let's allow them to be able to flow across more of a business versus being stuck in one, one area. And I think when you've got young 20, 21, 22, whatever age now coming through, you've got a, a clean canvas to inspire them, train them, develop them, and give them the skills at a point in their career where they can really, really do something extraordinary with them. Okay, so um,
1: points taken, and, and that's obviously the proof's going to be in the pudding over time of how the, the Deloitte digital business uh, plays out on that and, and watching with, with great interest. To Sam's point earlier about defining creativity, it's kind of pick any one of one million options. Your take, Nick, on, um, I think we've spoken in the past, it's almost creative thinking as opposed to creativity as it might be uh, boxed in an advertising sense and a communication sense. So yep. really quickly, just a top line on how you define creativity for the deloitte digital business and those organizations that
2: you're working with if you go up funnel strategically creativity is problem solving the industry can be quite good at saying what the problem is but maybe not as brilliant at saying what a what is the possible solution become and that solution is a could be a cultural transformation it could be a new product design it could be adjacency businesses it could be new brands launching it can be any one of those things and i don't think it has to start and stop by definition but it's Anything where an idea, which I think is all of our currency, not a departments, solves an extraordinary problem. And that idea could be something that has a societal impact. It could be a sustainability, cultural, whatever it might be. It might be a new product solution. But it's that creative and conceptual leap between a problem and a solution. And that solution being able to be genuinely viable from a commercial perspective, truly inspirational from a customer perspective. And be something that can lead a business into into growth through innovation. Yeah, and
1: it, well, it's interesting because you know there's lots of lawyers that are closet musos. Um, so that this whole notion of that if you're very rational, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are not creative or you uh, are not don't have emotions. Believe it or not, that's a human thing. So I, this whole B two B thing is interesting because it's traditionally been very rational B two B interaction, and however all the other things that go on, behavioral economics will tell you that emotion inside B2B is actually fundamental and okay. So it's a, it's a really interesting uh, pot that's obviously opening up. And the fact that you've got uh, a player like Deloitte starting to push this is really, really interesting. Sam, now we're going to get to some rational stuff. Um, so you've just finished some big analysis, of the firm has analysis on the global or the Fortune 500 on transformation and whether it works or how how much of it, it works. Talk us through a little bit of the observations on what you've seen in that research you've done. Well, let me just give you a little tiny bit of a sense of the research first, and then I'll come to the findings. So... I'm not surprised that it's going to be quite robust in your methodology. (laughs) I think that's where we're headed.
0: Well, it is, but I I want people to understand Mm. where the observations come from. So we took 10 years' worth of data for the Fortune 500s, all of their submissions to the security exchanges about where they were going as organisations. So this is the material that institutional investors and analysts pour over in order to determine whether they're going to buy or sell, um, invest in those organizations. And what we did is, is we applied the same sort of technology that uh, the large, large language models were applying to mine that information to understand what they were saying. And we were looking really for three different main categories of statements about where they were going. Uh, So the first category was their strategic intent. What were they saying about where they were going as an organization? The next connected piece was, and how were they saying they were going to get there? And the last piece was, and and what were they they saying about what they were going to change about how they operated that would allow them then to capture that opportunity? So, you know, sort of really simplistically, we're we're pursuing a direct-to-consumer strategy by implementing a global e-commerce storefront, and we are going to rationalize and change our supply chains in order to maximize the opportunity.
1: Mean, good wouldn't example. have been yep, that yep, simple,
0: yep. but, but they, are, they hit on the three notes, yeah. Yep. And what we found was, where all three of those um, statements of intent existed within their filings, and, and bear in mind, these are filings that are made to support investment into the organization. So that they are an articulation of that organization's strategy, public articulation. Mm. It's not going to be the secret stuff, but it's, you know, it's, it's what they want people to know about what they're doing. A surprisingly small number actually were able to hit all three notes. This is where we're going, this is how we're going to get there, and this is what we're going to change on the way. Um, and, and so if you looked at the organizations that consistently hit all three notes... So actually what we did, the Fortune 500, we took out the outliers in terms of market capitalization so that we didn't have the, the unusual data points in there. But then for the rest, the rest that, that weren't outliers, there was a 5% uplift in market capitalization. And the total market capitalization of the Fortune 500 is something like a, a hundred trillion. Hmm. So a 5% difference in market capitalization, you're talking about a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it's not chump change. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we saw where where you had just a statement about what you were going to change, not connected to intent, not connected to the technologies you were going to use to kind of power fuel your business in the future. Just that intent, you know, we're going to be more agile. Mm-hmm. Actually, that was value destroying. And so we saw a substantial decrease in market capitalization. So if you look at the swing of that, there's a potential to create about trillion of additional value simply by, for those organizations that aren't being clear about where they want to go, how they're going to get there and what they're going to change at a enterprise level, at an enterprise level, sorry. Um, so there was a 1.5, 1.25, sorry, potential uptick. And there was a 1.5 trillion downtick, you know, if you, if you took the least effective. So there's, you know, almost a 3 trillion swing and, the Fortune 500 in the US. Quite, I asked ChatGPT this actually, as we just before we came over, I was like, I wonder how much the Fortune 500 accounts for the total global economy, and yeah. ChatGPT gave me a pretty good answer so, actually. Broadly, broadly right. Two to three percent. The Fortune 500 account for the total world economy. Right. So they're are a big chunk of America, and America is about twenty five percent of the world. But you know, but the rest of the world anyway. So two to three percent is that. So. You could multiply that swing, that three trillion swing, probably by about somewhere between forty and fifty to get the total swing for the world economy wow, right. between approaching digital transformation in the right way mm. versus approaching
1: it in the wrong way, which is a staggeringly big figure. It's Massive. And so, and this was around the framework was around transformation of of companies. That's kind of the the lens you were looking at at this in.
0: So, so yeah. So so. I should have written down actually the, the definition we have to digital transformation because I'm not going to get it exactly right. But it's it's effectively digital transformation is the application of digital capabilities to allow you to continually evolve and transform your organisation to respond to competitive threats and drive drive growth. Right. That that's our our definition there or thereabouts. I haven't I haven't hit it exactly right because I, I didn't write it down. Mm, ready. Yeah. But the, sounds um, like me. So. That's what we'd see digital transformation. Digital transformation for us is how do you compete in today's economy? Right. Because in today's economy, everyone says everything is moving faster than it's ever moved before, and that's true, and it's only ever going to get faster, and that's true too. Competition is emerging from new places. Consumers appear to be more fickle than ever or certainly have different different needs, and organizations are trying to respond to that. So having clarity of purpose, understanding where you're going, and an ability to quickly respond, to take competitive opportunities and grow is to us essential for the
1: survival of business. So very quickly, Sam, what are the blockages that halt stymie digital transformation programs? What, would, what, what do you, would you say are the key things that sort of hold it back? Cause you do hear, for instance, there's a lot of kit out there. There's a lot of intense strategic intent. Uh, we we're talking earlier that there's so many of these big technology stacks offer a lot of promise but sometimes it's the people or the execution of it they've got a ferrari in the garage and it's in neutral and they can't get it in first to even move but the potential's there so the blockages are for digital transformation from your take so we would classify digital transformation across sort of five dimensions
0: or five tiers of transformation and the bottom tier is really just optimizing what you do right now Yeah, so using digital technologies to make what you do right now better at the other extreme um, we would call that level zero, and we would go up to level four. At level four, it is a fundamental reinvention of the organization, a change of the business model, a change of the products and services, a change of how those products and services reach their customers. The further up that scale, the further are, you are towards four, the more executive support you need. If you are truly changing the organization, you need to carry the entire organization on that journey, and that requires focused leadership from the CEO further down you don't need that that level of focus so executive support and sponsorship hugely important but then for that executive to be successful i will go back to the three factors that i mentioned a moment ago there needs to be clarity in that vision hmm. you know where where are we taking the organization and increasingly now that clarity needs to be not just about making money but what is the purpose of the organization what do they do for society or for their employees or for their customers that that feels like it goes a bit beyond money. Of course, the money's important. This mm. is not, mm-hmm. that's not an or, it's an and. Uh, so having that clarity, important, and then using that to set the agenda of the initiatives you take forward. A lot of the failure we see is where there is a technology-led transformation
1: without the connection to the why. Yeah, and so, how many, if it's a hunch, how many would you say are, tracking it, bumping along okay and how many are worldly successful or, or should I say successful both to the business but also to the customer because that's the other side of this isn't it right is that you can have something that everyone inside an organization is happy about but may not be necessarily net net benefit to the user or the customer
0: it's well north of 50 okay that is that is being unsuccessful the way the money is certainly the return on the money is certainly not optimized and in many cases is is entirely wasted mm. and It's actually quite difficult to get a precise figure on that. And there are some figures banded around and I myself have fallen into the trap of using some of those figures in the past. I believe you're in the audience when I use them.
1: I've done well not to publish it, can I say. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much
0: for that. Um, Yeah, so it's easy to fall into the trap of going for an exact exact figure. We can't find an Mm. exact figure. Well, Mm. I mean, the, the research that I shared is where we've got some figures that we feel comfortable with. But it's really significant. And anecdotally, you know this to yeah, be the case. Right. I mean, how often do you pick up, well, You know, there, there's me showing my age, how often do you pick up a newspaper? How often do you consume a piece of news through whatever channel you happen to be consuming it through where you hear about an organization that has spent a slightly staggering amount of money and given up on something? And uh, it would be inappropriate, but I've met a few clients here in the last couple of days that are looking at exactly that challenge. Yeah. And they're now... They're now on you know, the next iteration of um, transformation. And the question that is at the absolute top of their agenda is, how do we know that we're going to get a return from this? Mm. And actually connected to that, how can we deliver some incremental return along the journey? Because no one wants a transformation where you do something for three years, you spend a quarter of a billion dollars, and at the end, fingers crossed, you're going to get your return. Yeah. And how have we got into a position that no one trusts that? Because I would say less than half of things are successful.
1: Well, there's a really important point to make here, which is as a former newspaper journalist, um, you're all right, Sam, if you're still reading newspapers, um, it's okay. Nick, so the parallel to this is that, yeah. th- that was a, that's a really big Fortune 500 piece of analysis and, and top line. Deloitte's also got a, a new marketing trends or global marketing trends uh, report out. Uh, what's in that that is of interest that we should know about? Australia's got some gaps, a little bit behind in some areas,
2: I think. I think there's some gaps. I wouldn't necessarily, the score may be behind, whether it's good or bad things down to interpretation. We've published the report at a macro level with global scores. There is a layer of deep interpretation strategy that needs to, which will be coming out and published as well. And we've cut the data by markets so that we've got a contextualized flavor at a local level. This hasn't been published yet, so I'm probably just going to give a few headlines and Paul, very happy to catch up with you in a week or two and do a deep dive at a broader level. Broken down into six sections, and I'm not going to jump deeply into them all, but um, top external challenges, key priorities are where I'm going to focus my energy and my money coming up, big subject matter around sustainability, the role of uppercase C creativity, creative thinking, not creative communication in an organization through a marketing filter and lens, and how marketers are going to partner with external creators and collaborators. And the last piece was on a particular segment on the metaverse. All right so this was a 1050 and something top CMOs around the world so it's seriously robust piece of research and data when you look at the top external factors that the all three markets US UK and Australia are looking at which aren't a surprise it's start it's when you cut the data and start going further down financial market instability and inflation key that that's number one number two is supply chain disruption but when you pull the Aussie data out Supply chain disruption is a huge thing for the Australian marketing community versus the US and the UK. Why that might be, and our ability to control any element in that supply chain, or their role in a broader organizational structure, would be part of that. But I think it's a well, it's probably a standout, right? Well, it's, it's, I was going to say why, but we will go into a rabbit hole. So we, we will, yeah. But it is. 18% difference to mm. the next nearest market. That is really yeah, significant. significant. Yeah. Third piece is, is changing regulations, and I'm not sure it's a surprise that Australia's got a, a lot, a much higher score in regulations, particularly if there's a leading to the financial services, which rightly so is heavily regulated here in, and other adjacent industries. Breaking it down into terms of priorities, three key ones are implementing systems to enhance customer personalization, expanding into new markets, and accelerating the move to new digital capabilities. The first point is extraordinary difference in the data. The UK and the US are a percent apart and Australia is 13 to 14% further down. What was that
1: dimension again? Which one?
2: Implementing systems to enhance customer personalization. So it would strongly suggest that our confidence in our own capabilities, that might be internal capabilities, it might be the technology that we need to do or the investment needed to take that next step, is a far higher focus in Australia Mm. versus other countries where it is less of a priority vis-a-vis this is something we may have needed to start addressing 2 or 3 years further down the pipeline and we're now getting to an inflection point where this is a necessity and it's you know again so that
1: suggesting US and UK are ahead in their personalization strategies and implementation is that what I'm hearing
2: I think it has to be mm. yeah mm. absolutely yeah. and then one of the most extraordinary pieces of data at the back end and again there's about four or five in between here and I'd happily go into details Developing, acquiring, and retaining talent. Australia is more than 50% down, and it's the last score for all three markets out of 12 questions. And its it score is less than half of both the UK and US. And for a market where I actually believe we're a net exporter of our best talent, not a net importer of great talent, which where we used to be 10, 15 years ago, particularly mm. with England, with but reach, I think that's yeah. much, much broader than that. And then there isn't a client I'm talking to that can fill their bench with the right people, not just you know, tier one talent is just, can I fill my bench? So if we're not looking at developing and acquiring that talent, and it's a low priority, and our score in this market, where we're losing people by the droves, isn't, you know, five or six places up, and that score isn't significantly higher, that, that does suggest a problem. Mm. Either people feeling unempowered to be able to do things or have initiatives in that space, or they don't think it's important enough. And if they don't think it's important enough, I'd be questioning why. In terms of, Well, actually, I talked about the influence of creativity. One of the questions is, does the organization rely on the marketing function to be seen as its catalyst for creativity or its most most creative department and output? Our scores are nearly half the UK and US Mm. and dramatically down. And what I would anticipate a lower score, I wouldn't be anticipating 40% down on two major markets. And I think this is a... So what the hell's going on there? That doesn't say that they don't think it's important and they should be. It's probably a reflection of their confidence to be seen mm. and whether creativity yet has matured enough to be a business right. conversation or it's a marketing conversation. So it takes a lot more to um, dramatically unpack that. At The other side of the equation, and I think this is a complete compliment to that point, is do you feel that the organization is promoting cross-functional collaboration to foster new ideas through creativity, the U.S.'s is dramatically higher than the other two markets but australia is dramatically down on that so one if creativity isn't just marketing and creativity is all of us and creativity is a way to have spirit and ideas and solve problems it's not a surprise that that cross-functional connection and collaboration isn't going to be high in this so Mm. instead of seeing these things as negatives let's look at them as an opportunity let's look at them as a way to help marketers feel confident having um, conceptual idea-based conversations enterprise-wide and give them the tools and the narrative, and also be able to help them take them across the business, bring different parts of a client's business together, and galvanise them. So while the score itself might be worrying, I think the opportunity is huge here, and we should look forward with optimism and take advantage of it.
1: Well, I think, and we're we're running out of time, and I want to get to some headline watchouts or thinking for this year and what's happening with the economy, but Australia's extraordinary in some ways in that oversees the reputation for Australians to be blunt, to be humorous, to have a great work ethic, all those things, um, it's quite quite strong as I pick up. But here it's extraordinarily conservative. There's a whole bunch of stuff that that restrains all that. And I forever am saying, why is this happening? But I will go in another rabbit hole. But that's just a, that's a comment rather than a question. Sorry, Nick. But there is something there about uh-huh. the Australian way when they're unleashed out of uh, their local market and what happens in this local market. There is a, there's something going on. Yep. I don't know what that's about. So look, very quickly, this year, uh, Sam, what do you sense is, in the economic conditions, what is the biggest area of demand for your business that clients are wanting and what they need? Clients need to deliver results quickly. Clients need to
0: deliver growth. So they are demanding that our services are much more focused on delivering quicker, immediate outcomes. The data shows that there is likely to be an increased spend on, 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 on front office technology to enable growth and transactions. Front office
1: being customer-focused. Customer-focused yeah, yeah.
0: and much less growth in the back office. Right. So, you know, kind of making the business run better has taken a bit of a back seat. Making sure you're out in the market, making market has taken a front seat. And so that's, that's where we see demand. That's where we're focusing our efforts. And that, I mean, that plays well to us. So, so yeah. whilst I'm not super upbeat about where we stand economically as a, as a global economy or the UK economy for that matter, I'm pretty upbeat about where we as an organisation stand in ability to help our clients navigate through the current challenges.
1: Nick, can I get a, a final snapshot of you as I get StinkEye from uh, getting kicked out of the studio here? Um, your final thoughts?
2: I think there are a bunch of clients which are in the minority that have um, really used the last three or four years well, and they're looking forward with extreme optimism, and they're excited, and it's really clear where they're going. They are looking for a level of genuine innovative input to accelerate them even further what isn't in debate is that the vast majority of other clients and organizations who it's not a debate that in action is an option so wow. there is movement there is traction it's now a question of what that might look like and i think and i'm delighted to hear it is that differentiation and genuine deep differentiation not just surface packaging but how does my culture differ how does my offer differ how do i turn up how does it Everything we do differentiate to retain our our team, to attract new customers, and to push forward, that has coming to the surface in a way that is unavoidable in a positive way. Great conversation. Sam Roddick, Nick
1: Garrett, thanks for coming. I'm watching with great interest on on how this plays out. There's some good positive signs there. So uh, travel safe. Thanks for joining.
0: Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks, Paul.
1: This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer, Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer.